0: Dads, we appreciate you. It's Father's Day today. We've got some gifts for the dads at a little table out front here. Pastor Will's out there. and am we'll going help you uh, come up with something. we got some tools and some mugs and other stuff, so just know that we love you and uh, we appreciate you. A little boy jumped into his father's lap and said, Daddy, my heart is so full of happiness. And then he ran off to go play with his brother Brian. And A little while later, he came back with a long, sad face, and the dad said, What happened to your happy heart? He said, Brian made it all leak out. <laughs> Did your heart ever spring a leak? You can be very, very happy one minute, and then the next second you can spring a leak. Uh, today in our series from Philippians, we're going to look at how to keep your heart happy. Uh, Philippians two, twelve through 18, very powerful passage of Scripture. It teaches us how to keep from losing your happiness. And the key verse is the passage that's found in uh, verses 12 through 13. Let's read this aloud uh, loud together. You guys, oh, we lost it. So listen closely, follow along in your outline as we, uh, as we read this. Uh, you must continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, deep reverence and humility. Here we go. For it is God who works in you both to will and to act according to his good purpose. I want you to circle the phrase work out and circle the phrase works in. God has a part and you have a part in your spiritual growth. God's part is to work in you and your part is to work out from you. Now notice it does not say work for your salvation. It says to work out. Your salvation. Big difference. You cannot work for your salvation. It's not like you can buy it or deserve it or earn it by being good enough. The Bible doesn't teach that. In fact, the Bible teaches the exact opposite. Your salvation doesn't come from your work, your effort. Your salvation comes from your faith in the work of Jesus Christ. It's not what you do. It's what Christ has already done for you. And you trust in that. So Paul doesn't say work for your salvation. He says work out what God works in. God works in the salvation, and then you work it out. Now, when you work out at the gym, are you working to create a muscle that's not there? The answer is no. You know, some people are born without certain muscles, and if you're born without that muscle, if you don't have the muscle, you can't work out and, and create it. You just don't have it. But what you work out for is to build and strengthen the muscle that's already been given. The key is we're to work out what God works in. So today we're going to look at five workouts for a happy heart. Uh, Now the first workout to maintain a happy heart has to do with fear. Fear is one of the primary killjoys in life. Fear is one of the primary ways that we lose our happiness. And you cannot be afraid and happy at the same time. When fear comes in the front door, happiness goes out the back door. And happiness stays gone until the fear leaves. Uh, So you've got to get rid of the fear. And one of the biggest fears we have is the fear of being abandoned, the fear of being left alone to live life by myself. And it is not a happy place to be. So here's the first workout. I must remember God is with me, in me, and for me I remember that God is with me, in me and for me. And then if you remember that, no matter what you face this week, uh, you're, you're going to realize you're not going to face it alone. Uh, Philippians 2:13, "For God is always working in you, giving you both the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. God is always working in you. The Greek word there is, is the word Energos. It's where we get the word energy. God is the energy. For your life, He will give you the energy that you need to, in order to uh, desire to obey and the power to do it pleases Him. It, it all comes from God. God is working in you. And not only is He in us, He is with us. In John 14, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will be with you. And you will realize that you are in me and I am in you. I mean, God's not only in you, He is uh, with you. And He is also for you. Romans 8.31 says, God is for us. If God is for us, who can defeat us? If God is for us, who can be against us? And so the first workout that you need to do, if you want to keep your heart happy, every morning when you get up, you say, God, I thank you that you're going to be with me today. I thank you that you're going to be in me today. I thank you that you're going to be for me today. Because if God is with me and in me and for me, that's going to keep my heart happy no matter what happens. Second workout for a happy heart. Be grateful and never grumble. It's so The second loss of happiness is fretting and fighting about the small. Do you ever fret and fight about the small stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's just a hard habit to break. Because ever since Adam and Eve, we have, we have had this negative tone about us. Ever since Adam and Eve, we have been excusing and accusing. We excuse ourselves and we accuse everybody else you know if I just had a different husband then I'd be happy if I just had children I'd be happy if my children would leave I'd be happy <laughs> if my children would come back or call I'd be happy you know it's this if then thinking it makes my happiness conditional on my happenings if this happens then I'll be happy but I'm not happy now and so we wind up blaming somebody else or blaming something else For our unhappiness. But you're as happy as you choose to be. can't blame anybody else. It's a choice. So stop excusing. Stop accusing. Stop fretting and fighting over the small stuff. Philippians 2.14 says, Do everything without complaining or arguing. So that no one can speak a word of blame against you. Do everything without... Without complaining or arguing. I've got a little list here of complainers. And I didn't put any of your names down on the list. I'm just going to give you the descriptions. You can assign the names, you know, however they fit. Uh, The first are the whiners. Whiners rise and whine in the morning. It's like the bumper sticker that says, I may rise, but I will not shine. Uh, A whiner wakes up negative. You can get up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord, or say, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> and the choice is yours. The choice is yours, depending on if you're a whiner or not. second kind are, of complainers are the martyrs. No one appreciates me. Uh, everybody hates me. Nobody loves me. I'm going to go eat worms. That's, that's the martyr. It's like the hypochondriac who had put on her tombstone. I told you I was sick. <laughs> She's a martyr. That's going to be on mine. I told you my foot hurt. (laughs) Um, But how do you react when you don't get your way? Uh, Do you pout and fuss and argue and complain? But mom, mom says you're 38 years old. Get over it. (laughs) Third kind of complainers are the cynics, a cynical attitude. What's the use? Why bother? Why try? What difference does it make? That's a cynical attitude, and cynicism poises everything like the lady who walked into the seafood restaurant and asked the waiter, Sir, do you serve crabs here? He said, Ma'am, we serve everybody. (laughs) That one takes a while, but I like it. (laughs) We are complainers by nature. Uh, The Bible says if you want to be happy, do everything without complaining and arguing. How many times have I complained and grumbled and argued about something when instead I should have remembered 1 Thessalonians 5.18? Let's read this out loud. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know People ask, what is God's will for my life? There it is, right there. In everything, give thanks. Start there. Start there, and God will show you the next step. Now, notice it says... In everything, give thanks. It does not say for everything, give thanks. I mean, there are some things in life, a lot of things in life, that that I shouldn't be thankful for. I, I mean, I'm not thankful for war and crime or cancer or poverty or injustice. There's a lot of evil in the world that I'm not thankful for. And the Bible doesn't tell me to be thankful for that stuff. It says to be thankful in everything. Now, how do I do that? Well, I can be thankful in a situation because I know Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says, In all things, God works for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. You know, it doesn't say everything is good. It says God works in all things for the good. So in everything, I can give thanks. Because I know if I respond correctly, God can turn crucifixions into resurrections. If I respond correctly, God can turn tragedy into triumph. He can exchange ashes for beauty. So be grateful and never grumble. Now, do you think you would be happier in life if you grumbled less and complained less? The answer is yes. Then why don't we do it? Because it's not just a matter of knowing it. It's a matter of you've got to do it. You've got to rely on God to give you the power to stop it. Third exercise, to maintain a happy heart. This one's a big one. I must keep my conscience clear. Keep my conscience clear. One of the things that causes us to lose our happiness is feeling guilty or feeling ashamed. You cannot be guilty and happy at the same time. To be happy, you've got to get rid of guilt. Philippians 2.15, You are to live clean and pure lives as children of God in a broken and corrupted generation. That was written 2,000 years ago. Generations are still broken and corrupted, aren't they? You know, human nature doesn't change. Everything else may change. Human nature remains the same. And Paul says, you are to shine like stars lighting up a dark world. What a beautiful image. You, know, you are to live such a clean, pure uh, life of integrity and authenticity that when people look at you, you just light up uh, like a star, you know, uh, just like diamonds uh, shine brighter uh, against a black backdrop as the world and culture becomes darker and darker. Christians are to shine brighter and brighter. Psalm 119.1 Happy are those who live pure lives. Happy are those who live pure lives, who follow the Lord's teaching, keep His rules, and try to obey Him with their whole hearts. Jesus said it like this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, the word blessed there is the word happy. Happy. You're happy in your heart when you have a pure heart, a clean heart. Now, Psalm 32, one tells us what to do when we don't have a clean heart because that's our problem. <laughs> it says, what happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. Circle the word forgiven. What joys when sins are covered over. And it doesn't mean covered over in that they're hidden. And it's not that you keep it hidden. They are covered over with the blood of Jesus Christ. They're wiped out with the blood of Christ. What relief for those who have confessed, circle confessed, confessed their sins and God has cleared their record. Happiness, joy, relief, those are the things people are looking for. And the Bible says it comes from purity. What happiness, what joy, what relief for those who have confessed their sins and God has cleared their record. You want to keep a clear conscience. When you sin, admit it. Admit it. Confess it. Forsake it. Turn from it. When you fall in the mud, don't wallow in it. Just admit it. Ask God to pull you out of the mire, set you on the rock, clean you up. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That pure heart comes out of confession. And it leads to a happy heart. Fourth workout. Memorize God's Word and live it. I've told you many times before that if you are acting sad, it's because you feel sad. And if you feel sad, it's because you're thinking sad thoughts. Because our thoughts determine our feelings and our feelings determine our actions. And so if you want to change your sadness, you've got to change your mind. Renew your mind. Transform your mind. How, How do I wash those sad thoughts out of my mind? Well, the Bible talks about the washing of the water of the Word. You wash your mind with the Word of God. Now, this is, this is the opposite of worry. When, when you dwell on a, on a problem, does it get smaller or bigger? When you worry about something, does it get smaller or bigger? Worry always makes it bigger. The more you worry about it, the bigger it gets. And worry is when you take a negative thought and you think about it over and over and over. That's called worry. Meditation is when you take a passage of Scripture. You take a positive thought from God's Word and you think about it over and over. That's meditation. And God has promised many wonderful things for people who meditate on God's law, meditate on God's Word, and then do it. See, the meditation causes you to do it. It flows out in application, in action. Now, I want to talk to you just for a minute about this memorization meditation thing because th- this is extremely important, extremely important in the Christian life. But it does not have to be a big deal. Don't make this harder than it is. Don't th- make this such an intimidating thing that you don't do it. Just keep it simple. You know, sometimes you mention memorization to people and they oh, I can't memorize, and they just freak out. Or you mention meditation and they think it's some big spiritual thing and I'm not that spiritual, I can never do it, and they just give up. Don't do that. Here's what I recommend. At some point in the day, read a passage out of the Bible. Maybe first thing when you get up, maybe at breakfast or during break or lunch or in the afternoon or in the evening or right before you go to bed. Just pick a passage of Scripture and read it. And uh, you might even set a goal just like uh, with this sermon series to read through uh, Philippians. Just read a little bit every day. You can read a chapter of the Bible. Most times you can read it in about five minutes. It doesn't, doesn't take a lot of time, but you just pick a book of the Bible and read in it. Stick a bookmark in there and just kind of march through it. And uh, you, know, you may do Philippians. You might want to read a chapter a day of Proverbs. Pastor Don in Rockbrook for Kids has the kids this summer reading a chapter of Proverbs every day. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. If you read chapter 1 on the first day of the month, chapter 2 on the second day, and so on, you can read through the, uh, the book of Proverbs in a month. And so your kids are doing it, you may want to jump in there and and join them. But just pick a book of the Bible, read a little bit of it every day. And then as you are reading, look for a verse that stands out. I mean, you'll be reading a passage and a a verse will just jump out at you. It'll just just touch your heart. And when that happens, highlight that verse, underline it. I encourage you to write it down on a 3x5 card or a post-it note. Or at today's day, maybe you, I want to text it to you on your phone. Do something so you have access to that verse through the day. You've got access. You can readily see it and read it through the day. And then that becomes your theme verse for the day. And you just read it over and over. You think about it through the day. You let that verse wash over your heart and mind. You let it influence your decisions for the day. You know, we make a big deal out of memorizing verses. Memorization's scary. You know, people throw up their hands and quit with memorization. My goal has, has become, not memorize. I don't want to memorize a Bible verse. I want to familiarize a Bible verse. I, want to be, I don't have to know a verse word for word in order uh, to know what it says. I don't have to know a verse word for word in order to do it. I just have to be familiar with it and know what it says. And so, now why is that important to do? Look at Philippians 2.16. It says, hold tightly to the Word of God. Hold tightly. You've got to hold tightly to the Word of God. And you don't have a good grip on the Bible if you're not reading it every day, if you're not familiarizing yourself with key verses and then applying them to your life. If you're not doing that, you are holding lightly to the Word of God. And the happiness is going to leak out of your heart. You've got to hold tightly to the Word of God. Just read it, pick a verse, familiarize yourself with it, and do it. Now, why? Because Psalm 119.16 says, Your principles make me happy, so I never forget your word. I and mean, look at that verse. Do you want to be happy? Well, obviously we do. Well, there it is. God's principles make me happy, so I never forget your word. That means you build them into Your life. You are familiar with them and you live by them. Look at the next verse. Lead me in the path of your commands because that is where my happiness is found. Okay? It says the path of your commands, it's a process. It's a way of life, it's a direction, it's something that you make progress in, you grow in, you move through the path of God's commands, and as you do that, you will find happiness. Most of us are looking for happiness in all the wrong places. God's uh, happiness is found in the path of God's commands. Fifth workout for a happy heart. Use my life to serve God by serving others. If I'm serious about being happy, I must use my life to serve God by serving others. The only way you can serve God is by serving others. You can't see God here on earth. He's invisible. can't see see him. Uh, How are you going to serve him? Uh, How do you serve God? Well, you serve him by serving others. Matthew 25, Jesus said, Inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these my brothers, you've done it to me you've done it to to other people. Jesus says, you've you've done it to me. He said, a cup of cold water given in his name, it's as if you gave it to Christ himself. So when you're polite to people, when you're nice to people, when you don't grumble, complain, or argue, when you're friendly and helpful, you give of yourself to other people, God says it's like you're serving him. You're doing those things to him. Now, how does that bring happiness into my life? Because God wired up the universe in such a way that happiness does not come from status, salary, or success. Okay? Now, those things are not bad. They're not bad pursuits. It's just happiness doesn't come from those. Just as happiness doesn't come from poverty or low status or failure. You know, happiness doesn't even figure into that equation. There are a lot of wealthy, successful people who are unhappy. There are a lot of poor people that are unhappy. The the key is happiness comes from service because God wired up the universe so you are the most happy when you are giving your life away. Why? Because God wants you to become like Him. That's one of the purposes of this life, for you to become like, like Christ. And God is the most giving, generous being that has ever been. So if you're going to be like Him, you need to be giving your life away in service to other people. It's the fifth secret of a happy heart. You practice service and generosity every day. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. You know, serving and giving, those two words define Jesus Christ. Those two words define what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.17, Paul says, Your faith makes you offer your lives as a sacrifice in serving God. Now, that's using my life to serve God by serving others. And then Paul, he, he gives personal testimony here. Remember I told you that Philippians is one of the most personal books in the Bible. And so Paul just lays it out here. He says, if I have to offer my own blood. And remember, he's in prison awaiting his execution. So this is a real probability. He says, if I have to offer my own blood as a sacrifice, I'll be happy and full of joy. And you should be happy and full of joy with me too. And circle the word sacrifice in that verse. Your faith makes you offer your lives as a sacrifice through serving. Sacrifice and serving are two of the keys to having a happy heart. Giving my life, giving my resources. So let me ask you, where are you sacrificially volunteering to serve others on a regular basis? And if you want your life to be more happy, you need to add sacrifice and serving in your life somehow. It's an essential exercise, essential workout for a happy heart. I was reading this week about life expectancy, uh, how long people in various careers and conditions live. And one of the factors in life expectancy is serving other people. It is a proven medical fact that people who volunteer to serve others live longer. It's just a fact. Now, it's also a fact that people who volunteer to serve live happier lives. It's not just that they live this long, miserable life serving other people. No, they live longer and they are happier than other people. In fact, one of the quickest ways to pull yourself out of depression is to begin actively serving other people obviously, it's not the only way. There are medical and chemical uh, issues involved in depression. But getting the focus off of me, getting the focus onto other people, makes the joy go up and the sadness go down. So where do you sacrificially volunteer to serve on a regular basis? Because it will increase the happiness in your heart. Now, I want to close with this before you begin these five workouts for more happiness. You know how when you start an exercise program, they always say the first thing you need to do is check with your doctor for any pre-existing conditions. Anytime, any diet, every exercise book uh, says, before attempting this, check with your doctor for any pre-existing condition, because you might have a heart problem. And I just want to tell you today that right now, spiritually, you have a heart problem. If you're going to try and do these workouts... Without without doing some change in your heart, it's not going to work. Before you do these workouts, your heart has to be healed. The Bible tells us that our hearts are broken and bitter. Our hearts are sick and self centered. Our hearts are deceptive and discouraging. They're cold and calculating. Our hearts are fearful. We all have coronary disease spiritually. And what we need is we need a new heart, we need a heart transplant. And fortunately, Jesus Christ specializes in heart transplants. Jesus is in the business of giving people a new heart. Uh, Look look at Ezekiel 36, 26. God says this. He says, I will give you a new heart with a new and right desire. And I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take out your your heart hardened by sin. And I'll give you a new heart of love. God promises, I'll come in. I'll take that stony, cold, bitter, hard, dead heart and I will give you a fresh, new, beating heart full of love. It's a promise. How do I get it? How do I get it? Look at the last verse on your outline, Acts 4.12. Salvation can only be found in Jesus alone. In all the world, there's no one else whom God has given who can save us. And so it starts right there. It starts with Jesus Christ and you inviting him to give you a new heart. Let's pray together. You know, it's easy to explain these five workouts, but, but if you're going to do these before you start, God has to do a work in you before you can work out your salvation. And you may have gone to church your whole life. This may be your first time through the door. It doesn't matter. If you haven't had a heart transplant, if you haven't allowed God to give you a new heart, you don't have the energy. You don't have the power, the strength, the ability to do these workouts. Salvation can only be found in Jesus alone. In all the world, there's no one else who can save us. And so I want to invite you right now, just in sincerity and humility, in this time of prayer for us, just to talk to God right now. Would you just, in the quietness of your heart and mind, would you just say, God, I need a new heart? Mine is broken, battered, embittered, fearful, and frustrated. I need a heart transplant. God, I want to become a new person inside. And so I ask Jesus Christ to come and to forgive me of my sin to give me that new heart, that new life, the abundant life, eternal life that he offers those who trust in him. God, thank you that I can have a clear conscience because of what Christ did for me on the cross. Thank you that, that I can have your power, your energy in my life as I trust in you. God, help me to work out my salvation, to grow to love your word, and to live your word every day so that I can be happy and discover the joy that you desire for me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.